Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. I'm here with Emily. We are hanging out. What's up? Hey, we just heard from Nonfiction. That is a, a track from 1992 called Reason to Live. It definitely slipped onto MTV a handful of times back in the day. And we met up with Alan Tecchio, the So We had such a good time. That band. Yeah. We had a really good time. That was a cool restaurant. Do you remember the name of it? I know he says it during the interview. So, no. yeah. It was Horse very cool. Tavern? Sterling? Yeah. Something? <laughs> something, <laughs> something tavern. It was very, very nice. A little fancy. I was there in my Metallica shirt and you were all rocked out. <laughs> and I, I kind of felt like we were. Uh, not dressed appropriately like for the for the restaurant. When it said tavern, I thought it was like an old like tavern, but it was kind of it was kind of high scale. It was nice, but yeah. I don't think we were like totally underdressed. Okay, good, good. Well, anyways, we we hung out with Alan a little over a week ago. We had a, a interview with him, and then we did some dinner. He is here to talk about the great band he used to have, Nonfiction, as well as the new project that he's working on right now, Level Fields. They have some new music out. And of course, we'll talk with him about Mike LaPond and Watchtower and all sorts of great stuff. And right away, we're going to get into an interview with another guy who has also had some popularity back in the 90s, uh, a lot of popularity with his band Brother Kane. His name is Damon Johnson. I mean, he's played with everybody from Alice Cooper to Thin Lizzy to the Dead Daisies, to... Black Star Riders. Black Star Riders. I mean, and he's done some amazing songwriting with some really big-name people. You should definitely check out Damon Johnson if you don't know who this guy is. He has so much to offer, and you get so much of it when you see him live. Man, that was the funnest show I've been to in ages. Yeah. Ages. Got to see our friend Tony Higby, who is so awesome. Awesome. Got to catch up with him and played amazing. They sounded so good. I literally had the time of my life. Yeah. And he plays stuff. I mean, that set list was insane. It was really incredible. I mean, he plays stuff from throughout his career, including, you know, Thin Lizzy songs, Alice Cooper songs, because he played, you know, he toured and played with those bands for many years. So you get a really yeah, incredible the, the Alice, set. The Alice Cooper medley was really, really awesome. You know what? Can you grab that vinyl over there? Yeah, the Alice Cooper medley was just insane. And we bought the vinyl of yes. his brand new record. We're looking at it right now. Memoirs of an Uprising. The single I've been listening to nonstop. You've heard it blaring from my office for the past three days. Shivering, shivering. Yeah, that's out on iTunes now. You can download it. We're going to play it in a little bit. And this is kind of cool, Emily, because this doesn't come out until March. And we have the vinyl here because he was selling it at the show. So Guess what we'll be putting on later. Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) Damon is always great. We've been friends for, oh, I don't know, four or five years now. So it's always great to connect with him when he's in New York and uh, wow. Last time we saw him, they were opening, he was with Black Star Riders and they were opening for Judas Priest. Yeah, Saxon and Judas Priest. That yeah. was a great tour. That was only 10 months ago. And, and we talk about that during the, uh, during the interview. A lot has changed for Damon in the past 10 months. So let's, uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into our interview with Damon Johnson here on Talking Metal. And again, we talk about a ton of stuff. This is a great interview. So here we go. We're going to, Kick it off with his new song, a little sound sample of it. Make sure you go buy the full-length version of it on iTunes. It's called Shivering, Shivering. And then we'll hear from Damon Johnson, recorded in New York City about a week, a little over a week ago. I'm seeing double and I'm bending shapes. I'm having visions all trembling, trembling. Nodding off and I'm switching lanes and oh, it's unsettling. 
from Talking Metal and Talking Rock, and we are here in the famous Iridium Club here in New York City, just a real historic place, and I'm sitting here with Damon Johnson, who's playing here tonight and tomorrow night. Damon, great to see you, man. Mark, you as well. Always, man. Yes, so much history in this room, and I mean, do you feel that when you step on stage? Because the last time I was here, I saw Les Paul play. That was, you know... it's been a while for me. We are absolutely feeling this history. I think all four of us have been, we've just been kind of walking around the perimeter. There's so many incredible photos on the wall. Yeah. And it's not like the, you know, some of the rock rooms that we're kind of accustomed to playing. Uh, you know, there's photos of Les Paul and Paul McCartney and right. him and Tony Bennett. and Bowie, I saw. Yeah, yeah. man. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It's uh, it's really kind of humbling. You know, yeah. we're it's exciting for us to get to play a venue like this and, you know, do what we do. Right on. And you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but this isn't a tour, really. Is it just two, I was going to say a one-off, but a two-off, right? Yeah, it's a two-off. And, you know, I kind of, once I realized I was going to go this path and right. uh, put out the solo record and really commit to doing this full-time, you know, I knew it was going to, this would be a great way to start it. Just kind of do some dates, kind of sprinkled around. Uh, it's going to take people a little while to certainly here in North America to get re familiar with who I am and about right. my past. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thankfully there's a few brother Kane fans yeah. still alive oh, yeah. and well We're out, still there. out there, but 
you know, for them, I know that there's been such a positive reaction to me getting back behind the microphone and, and kind of doing my thing, you right. know, and cause I know the conversations we've had through the years, I think they felt like I had kind of put that to the wayside, which I had, you know, I've been a sideman pretty much since the early two thousands and I've had right. a blast doing yeah. that. So yeah. So this is really kind of the kickoff for the, for right. this year's performances and, uh, you know, that's all starting to ramp up, and I can't think of a more dazzling venue yeah, <laughs> to, absolutely. to start at. And, you know, the album is coming. We're going to talk about that. But, you know, I was looking back through the calendar, and the last time you and I hung out for an interview was backstage at the Prudential Center in Newark, not too far from here, only 10 months ago. And I was thinking, wow, so much has changed for Damon in that 10-month period, you know, because that was, you were still kind of early on in the tour, I think, at that point. This was, uh, you guys were out touring with Judas Priest, and yeah, here we are. You're no longer a part of Black Star Riders. Um, you are doing the solo thing. There's an album on the way. Was this decision a long time coming, or was it just one day you woke up and you were like, hey, I need to make a change? When did you decide that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something different? The short answer is yes, I just woke up one day and decided I'm going to make a change. Right. There were definitely a few things in the last couple of years, you know, that were starting to weigh on me a good bit, Mark. And I'm glad we're talking about this because I, when I knew you and I were going to get back together, I was like, yeah, I just talked to Mark less than a year ago. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. yeah, and I was full tilt, full committed, you know, to, right. to being in Black Star Riders. And we just started that amazing run with Judas Priest and Saxon. Right. Um, I think it's a combination of how much time I seem to continually be spending away from my family. Right. Uh, I've got young kids. I have a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old. And also the fact that I had this new full-length album. This is really my first proper, complete, you know, 10-song solo album. I've made a couple of acoustic records through the years, and I did an EP back in 2015. But this is more like a body of work. You know, right. these songs have a, they're all new songs. There's a, you know, kind of a lyrical thread running through it. And the more I worked on it, the more excited I got about it. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty much at the end of that Judas Priest tour okay. that I kind of flipped a switch. Right. You know, literally kind of woke up in the bunk on the yeah. bus one morning and went, I feel like I've done this yeah. long enough. I want to do my own thing. And, you know, really, Mark, just be in control of my calendar. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. I take the phone calls now. Right. And, you know, I can look at the calendar and go, hey, in March, you know, the kids are going to be on spring break. I'm not going to work that week. Right. Okay. I've missed spring break every year for the yeah, <laughs> you no. know, the last yeah. decade. So sure. that kind of thing gets me excited. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work harder now than, than ever before. Right. But to be able to kind of dictate the calendar, man, is a, is a freedom that's kind of intoxicating. I'm not going to kid you. I'm so happy right. about that. Right. Very cool. And yeah, I mean, it's a big step and I was uh, a big fan of the, the EP Echo, right, that came out a number of years back, and you were working with Nick, I always butcher his last name, Ras- Rasculonix, is that his? Close. Okay. That's pretty good, <laughs> okay. man. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah. Ra- yeah Rasculinix. Rasculinix. Yeah, okay. Rasculinix. Um, and thank you about that, Mark. I remember us talking about Echo. Right. You know, back then. Oh, some and great songwriting. On thank that. you, yeah, brother. Big hooks, like it a lot. Yeah. Well, you know what, man, conversations just like that with you, um, 
you know, some friends and family at home, kind of my inner circle. You know, whenever I would come home off of a long, long tour, right. this would come up sometimes. Like, hey, man, if you were doing your own thing, you know, uh, maybe you wouldn't have to be gone so much. And, right. you know, I want to take just a minute and point out that there's nothing but love and respect between myself and all the Black Star Riders guys. Good. I had the best right. time. We made three of the most quality hard rock records that anybody's made in the last decade. I agree, yeah. And I know that, and I feel that, and the fans were so supportive. And I learned so much from Scott and from Ricky, particularly in the songwriting and in working in the studio. And that played no small part in kind of where I'm at now, man. It kind of got right. all those juices flowing again it just got me thinking you know more and yeah. more about songwriting and i feel i've got more to say now than ever before and, and those guys deserve a lot of credit for that absolutely and let's talk about what's happening now with this new album there is a little clip up on on soundcloud shivering shivering which yes. i listened to which sounded great and it was a nice little tease for me i'm excited for the full-length album Tell us about the album, the name, when it's coming out, and uh, what we can expect. You working with Nick again on this? Or? Nick actually, all he did on this record is he mixed it. Okay. He let me uh, he let me use his studio to track the drums and some of the guitars. Okay. But I produced this one myself uh, oh, cool. at Nick's encouragement. You know, that was that was a big vote of confidence that I got from him, and uh, but I did get him to mix it for me. He did a great job. The album is called Memoirs of an Uprising. And the street date is March the 8th. It's already up for pre-order on all the, uh, you know, on iTunes and all the digital sites, which is really exciting for me, man. Because right. I've, I've not really had any uh, momentum on those outlets, you know, before now. Right. So I've got a great team of people I'm working with right at home in Nashville. And they're rock and roll people. You know, they, right. they know about my resume and my history and my background and so, um, you know, every week, man, we're kind of evolving and, and molding this thing as, as it takes flight. Um, nine of the 10 songs are brand new, like they were written. Really? Okay, written, that's written what I was going to ask you, how many yeah, of these were written, sitting around? written in the right. last year. And, um, you know, I think certainly some of my fans in the UK that I made while I was in Black Star Writers, you know, I, I think they were maybe expecting like this guitar record. Yeah. You know, lots of solos and... And there's definitely some great moments that I'm super proud of, but this is much more of a song record, you yeah. know, hearkening back to kind of, I guess, my days in Brother Kane. Cool. Um, and that's just where my head was at this time. Um, right. I spent a lot of time on the vocals when I was recording it. Uh, I co-wrote nearly every song with a great longtime friend of mine. Friend of mine, his name is Jim Troglin. Okay. And uh, we came up in the club scene back in Birmingham together. Oh, cool. He was in a really cool, trashy, kind of glam punk band called the Autumn Lords. And uh, we'd written a few things together in right. recent years. And um, so, yeah, I was excited to bring him in. And I had a lot of fun writing with him. And this is the first full-length solo record by you in what? Two, like 20, close, 19, 20 years? Is well, yeah, you mean like a record that yeah. I'm singing all the songs? Yeah, not and, including the, the great live record, which we'll talk about. But yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I guess since the Brother Kane, um, yeah. you know, I did do the Slave to the System album back in the early right, 2000s. Right, right. That's true. Yep. But I shared some of those vocals with our friend Scotty Hurd. He did a great job on that as well. But yeah, I guess really since uh, the Brother Kane Wishpool album, which came out 
literally 20 years ago, uh, that was the last time that I was singing a full-length album right. like that. Wow, cool. And as far as Brother Kane goes, you you did one reunion with them. Like you did a few shows back in like 2005. Um, yeah. Th- was that the only reunion you've done with them since back in the day? Yeah, we only yeah. did a handful of dates, Mark. And, you know, we all keep in touch. You know, we're all we're all friends. We're all proud of what we accomplished back then with yeah. that band. And, you know, it's always flattering when it comes up in conversation when people go, hey, can there be a, a reunion? Can you get the band back together? And I just think as we get older, it becomes harder and harder because right. everyone is is so involved with you know doing their own thing and uh i think scott lives in michigan now so it was always at least a little bit easier when we were all pseudo yeah kind of in the same area and and the great thing is for brother kane fans you you still get a number of songs delivered from you in the live setting like i know on on the birmingham tonight record you, you had some brother kane stuff on there and i'm hoping and guessing we might hear some tonight yeah you'll definitely hear some okay, tonight mark cool. thank you yeah the, the you know i think the the live album i have to give that some credit because oh, I, I, I do think that that was a big seed i think in that this field of damon johnson solo right you know it turned out so fantastic my band is is just man they're great yeah they're great musicians and great people and uh there's an ease about everything that we do you know Booking yeah. shows, planning shows, rehearsing, performing, and so. And the thing that's great, just for the listeners, about the le- record, the live record, Birmingham Tonight, which came out in 2017, is you get a real sample of your career, you know. And I think it's a, if if there are people out there who don't know you, I think it's a great introduction because you get the, you know, it's really everything is is there, you know, a little sampling of all the different moments. Of Thank your you, career. Mark. Yeah. Thank you, brother. That was without a doubt the intention. Yeah. And I felt like there was a good balance between some of the old Brother Kane songs. Uh, you know, we did a great cover of The Boys Are Back in Town. Yeah. Uh, some of the new material, some songs off of the EP. And uh, but it just, it was just, it's like my bass player Tony says, he calls it, wow, this is a great document, you know, to yeah. have at this moment right here. So it's exciting for me to think that right now is this new you know, full length album of brand new material comes out and people do go to Spotify or Apple music that they'll, they'll yeah. click around, man, and check out some of that live record or the, the EP as well. Right. And again, the new record that's coming out, memoirs of an uprising out on March 9th by Damon Johnson. And let's, uh, let's, you know, you, you mentioned your, your live band, um, Tony Higby is playing with you and he's been a, a, a friend of the, the podcast, my wife and I, for a while, where did you guys first meet? We met in Nashville, um, really the first, my, my first memory of meeting Tony, I don't know if you recall back in 2010 when they, they had that horrible flood in Nashville and yeah. it flooded uh, one of the biggest music equipment, musical instrument storage facilities in all of Nashville right, and right, right. destroyed millions of dollars of, wow. of, you know, kind of priceless guitars and amps and a lot of great gear, man. Well, uh, Tony had one of my guitars that took a bath yeah. in this guitar triage. And uh, I, I remember a friend sent me this picture and they said, yeah, this is Tony Higby working on your guitar. So he was helping bring one of my Les Pauls back to life that had 
literally sat under the water for at least a couple of days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, I moved to Nashville about three years later, and I ran into Tony again uh, at one of the guitar shops. And I just remember he very boldly said, hey, man, if you ever get brother came back together, you need me to be the second guitar player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let me write that down in my, yeah. uh, in my iPhone here. Note to self. Yeah. Call this guy. Yeah. So we kept bumping into each other. And then, um, you know, the first person I called when I wanted to do some solo dates is my old friend Jared Pope, who's an amazing drummer. And we had worked together in a band back in 2007. And he, too, had just relocated to Nashville. So that became kind of the prerequisite. If you were going to play in my band, you had to live in Nashville. I've spent the last 15 years, Mark, you know, a part of bands where just to get together for rehearsal is an expensive proposition. Sure. You know, you got to fly people in from different countries. And right. It's madness. So yeah. there's, it's just nice. So nice, man. And convenient local, and yeah. great, man. Yeah. to have everybody local. It makes a lot of things much simpler. So, um, and then my bass player is another Tony, right. Tony Nagy, who I got turned on to by Chuck Garrick, my great friend and the bass player from Alice Cooper. Right. Um, Chuck had seen Tony play one night and he said, man, this is your guy. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta check him out. Cool. So, and this has really been the band for the better part of the last three years. We haven't been able to do a lot of performing obviously because I've been committed to black star writers, Jared and Tony Higby both play in Tom Kiefer's band yes. together. So there'll definitely come a point this year where there'll be a little bit of juggling, but right. you know, man, I live in the greatest city in the world to have somebody come in and step in you know, and, yeah. and be a sub for a couple of gigs. Right. And again, man, we can get together for a rehearsal. Yeah. Be home in time for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> get up, That's take awesome. the kids to school the next day. Right. I on. love that. <laughs> right on. I wanted to ask you, uh, I mean, I know you always get asked about, you know, Alice Cooper and the Thin Lizzy stuff. I and, love it. And I love it. But I wanted to go a little deeper than that. I wanted to ask you about Marty Fredrickson because he, he really, when I was looking over the, the Brother Kane stuff, it, he really seemed to have his name attached as a song co-songwriter with you to some of my favorite songs that you guys did. Uh, who who and he went on to work with Aerosmith, I think, after Brother Kane. If I'm he's uh, gone on to work yeah. with dozens and dozens of giant artists. Who know, was he? Who is he? And and, and uh, are you still in touch with him? Tell us a little yeah, bit. Yeah, man. Him. Well, Marty's kind of like my brother he yeah. said we were almost like twins the very first time we met it was a bit like looking in the mirror we're the same height same build right but marty lived in california and we met in 1991 when i was getting songs together for that first album and our i was i had just signed with a publishing company as a lot of young bands do you know somebody wants to get in and get that publishing on the front end in case right you turn into elton john one day you know yeah so marty was with the same company uh, one of the representatives there got us. Well, they sent a tape is what it was. They were sending me tons of tapes, Mark, and everybody was trying to write a Bon Jovi song. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And I was so, at that time, really steeped in more classic 70s rock. Right. Big fan of Guns N' Roses. Big fan of the Black Crows. Not, I just didn't have my head in the, the 80s thing yeah. at all. So... But Marty had a cassette with these amazing songs on it. I could talk about him for a long time, but I w- let me say, there wouldn't have been a Brother Kane 
Really? Wow. Had it not been for Marty. We could have made a, a first record, but I don't know that we would have gotten to a second one. Uh, Got No Shame, yeah. Kicked the Door Open for us. We wrote that together. The next single was, uh, um, actually, the next single was called That Don't Satisfy Me, but we wrote, Marty and I wrote a song called Heart Act to Follow, and that right. was the third single. So we had a lot of radio airplay. And then the biggest song, really, at radio for us was on the second album, uh, Seeds, was a song yeah. called And Fools Shine On. Yes. Yeah, so and Marty produced okay. that record as well, the entire yeah. second album. Wow. And then he also wrote some, some great songs on Wishpool. So, and then when I, you know, when Brother Kane ended and I started, I got remarried and kind of started committing to being a sideman, Marty just skyrocketed, man. Yeah. You know, Ozzy Osbourne, Foreigner, Aerosmith, he wrote Jaded with Steven. Yeah. That, was yeah. a, that was a game Massive. changer. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, for sure. Cool. And before I forget, um, Thin Lizzy, obviously you've been a big part of playing with them a part of of what they're they're all about and keeping the legacy phil's legacy alive if there is thin lizzy activity because uh, i know that's closely related to black star riders would you be joining them for that yes okay i will um thin lizzy now and probably going forward will not be playing much more than you know six or eight dates at the most okay uh, and those tend to all be festivals. Uh, I don't know that Thin Lizzy's ever going to do another kind of tour, like, hey, we're going to go out and do 40 dates in, in North right. America. I don't know that – I don't think Scott is really interested in doing it that way anymore. But, you know, that's easy enough for me to put it on the schedule, plan on it, plan my solo stuff around it. Right. That's much easier than, you know, trying to schedule my own music around a black star writers calendar which was six months seven months even sure. eight, eight months of activity yeah. yeah growing up in alabama you grew up there you were part of that scene you have you know a more rock vibe and a lot of times when people hear of a state like alabama you don't necessarily think of rock nonetheless hard rock you know what was the rock scene like for you and did you have your foot in other styles of music in those scenes too when you were when you were coming up that's a great question mark i did have so much music that i was exposed to in different genres lots of r&b and soul music and gospel music and country music especially traditional country you know uh hank williams and johnny cash and things like that and I think because I'd spent a fair amount of time in bands with older players, you know, where you kind of had to have this pretty thick resume of different kinds of songs, you know, to play at a, you know, at the Moose Lodge or at the skating rink or at the VFW Hall or to play at some prom. You know, you had to really cover a lot of stuff. Right. Uh, in, in the Southeast, man, you know, when we were in school, I, I just know that me and my friends alike, you know, you listen to as much pop radio as you did country radio as you did classic rock. So, sure. but then when the real rock thing kicked off and, you know, I got heavily into Van Halen, Aerosmith, Deep Purple, Thin Lizzy. Yeah. You know, I already had kind of, I think some chops underneath me, not just guitar chops, but almost like just musicality. Mm -hmm. So I felt really comfortable playing with different people and sitting in with different people. And so, it was also a really cool scene in Birmingham, Alabama, specifically in 
kind of the mid to late 80s. And that's when I first moved to Birmingham. Tons of places to play. I felt like I got this golden ticket mark because I got asked to join a band that was really popular regionally. They were sure. playing all the you know colleges and things like that and had a little bit of regional airplay. Right. So it immediately kind of brought my profile up. I kind of went from just playing this one little club in northeast Alabama to all of a sudden for a minute there people were talking about me. Yeah. And that, you know, one gig led to another gig led to another. And I kind of bounced around 87 until 90. And then that's when I decided I wanted to try to put my own band together. And that yeah. became Brother Kane. It was a great scene, man. Yeah. And Birmingham was a big enough city that you'd have big concerts come through, you know, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, um, you know, Leonard Skinner, Bad Company sure. or whatever. And I was at all those shows yeah. and just soaking it up. So, yeah. so when Brother Kane had its shot, you know, I, I don't think there's any question that that exposure and that musical influence uh, really helped me, you know, yeah. gave, gave me some confidence that I desperately needed. Right. You know, because I hadn't been a lead singer. I'd been a guitar player all that time. Yeah. The singing thing was new for me at that point. So uh, but, yeah, all those all those influences, I think, really helped me. Man, it was a, it was a blessing growing up in Birmingham. Cool. Well, I don't want to make you talk too much longer because I know you got to do some singing tonight. But one last question. Kind of random. Brother Kane seemed, you know, you guys were a, a hard rocking band, but you really seemed to fit in well with what was happening in the 90s, the musical landscape. Was was that something that, that just really goes back to the classic rock roots and the, the d diversity of your influences? Or did you kind of have to tweak things a little bit to, to fit in with with what was popular at the time? I'm always curious about this with with all different artists. That's another great question, Mark. Um, you know, the real commonality between us and a lot of those bands, obviously, is that we had the same influences. Mm -hmm. You know, if you took Soundgarden and Pearl Jam especially, yeah, even Alice in Chains, Nirvana not so much because Kurt was way into punk music. Punk is something that evaded us, yeah. you know, in the Southeast. That's not something I really got exposed to until the 90s when I started you know, hearing bands like Nirvana or the Pixies, I love the Pixies. And I'm yeah. like, man, what does this guy come up with this stuff? So, you know, but I think there, you know, we, uh, the first album was very much us kind of at our rawest, like this is who we are, take it or leave it. There's no question that we got excited about some of the new bands and we're listening to that. And um, I think lyrically those, those bands had a greater influence on me as a songwriter right. than sonically it was more about the the lyrical influence which again i needed that kind of extra education for yeah. lack of a better word um you know and then i think uh, between the second and the third record man i was just going crazy listening to radiohead and pj cool. harvey yeah. and really taking this hard left turn man from the stuff that had influenced uh really our whole, you know, the last 10 years, you know, playing in the bars in Birmingham yeah. before we got Brother Kane together. So, you know, the Wishpool record was really different as a result of that, but still good songwriting, solid performances, a great sounding record nonetheless. I think it made it a little tough for people to kind of see, sink their teeth into, hey, what are these guys? You know, yeah. are they this or are they that? I understand that confusion. But at the end of the day, man, we just wanted to have good songs, and, and there's no question we had that throughout. Absolutely. Cool. Well, we're going to end it there because Damon has a show tonight, but we want to remind everyone 
to pick up on March 8th, Memoirs of uh, Uprising, of an Uprising, and that will be Damon's first full-length solo record in a very long time. And also, guys, if you haven't heard Echo or uh, Birmingham Tonight, which are fairly recent, both those uh, releases, definitely get those too. Damon, thanks so much. Mark, thank you, man. Thanks for... uh... Always great to see you. Great to see you. Can't wait to see the show tonight. Thanks.
right, what you just heard was Brother Kane with And Fools Shine On going back to 1995. I love that song. Kind of a, not really, a, I wouldn't call it like a super hard rock and metal song or anything, but it's it's definitely got that 90s alternative feel to it. And it's got like a real, I don't know, there's something about that song, tranquil vibe or something, uh, spiritual vibe to it. I just always loved that song. They used to play that on K-Rock back in the day. Uh, K-Rock New York, um, 92.3. It was uh, always getting some rotation on there for, for a while. Brother Kane, great band. See, I missed out on Brother Kane entirely. We right. talked about this on the way home. Now, when they because they were out when I was in college, right? Right, right, right. They were popular, like, yeah. and I call those my blackout years. Yeah. I was not blacked out drunk, right? But I was blacked out of music because we didn't right. have we didn't have cable. We didn't really listen to radios. I mean, yeah. we didn't. So all we we listened to. Hor- I couldn't think of the name of the band that everyone listened to. Right, yeah. It was it was barely. Uh, she was trying to think of the name of a band that was popular at, at her college back <laughs> in the '90s, and you 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 had a few drinks on the way home, so maybe that had contributed <laughs> to it. But what? what but the, na- the name, what you said. the name of the uh, don't I, I say like, the name I was of the like, big fat babies. <laughs> <laughs> And she I, think was, I was like, that's all anyone played. You'd go to the frat houses and the parties and it was Dave Matthews and, and big, big fat, fat babies. babies. Yeah. And she met bare, bare naked, naked ladies. ladies. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so it was very funny. But that's all like, that's all I heard in college. So I missed out on a lot of good bands. Well, you got a lot of catching up to do with brother Kane because they were a great band and absolutely everybody must go pick up Damon's new record, Memoirs of an Uprising. We'll have links up in today's show notes on TalkingRock.net and TalkingMetal.com where you can purchase that. And without further ado, I want to hit some Mike LaPond, the Silent Assassins stuff that was so, so great. Alan Tecchio just rocks this stuff with the bassist, Mike LaPond, who's played with a lot of different people, including Symphony X. And we will talk about that with Alan as well as talk about his new project, Level Fields. This uh, I love this song, Ragnarok. Go buy this on iTunes or listen to it on Spotify or Amazon Music or YouTube Music. However you get your music, you will find this there. And then we're going to hear from the vocalist who's singing on this track right after we hear the track. So does that make sense? Over the rainbow bridge they ride from the frozen sea 
Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and I am hanging with Emily. What's up, Emily? What's up? We are here at the uh, Road Tabber? Tabor. Tabor Road Tavern. Beautiful restaurant in the Parsippany area of New Jersey. And also here with us, one of New Jersey's finest, Alan Tecchio. Flattered. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, man. You, through the years, have done so much. I mean, you work a full-time job. That's no, I do. That's no secret. But the amount of music that you continue to put out year after year, of course, you go way back to the Hades days, Watchtower, uh, which you were the Jersey guy in the Texas band, Watchtower, uh, nonfiction, um, and then uh, what else? More recently, well, Autumn Hour. I did that Power album, which I think I'm going to re-record in another week or two. He, Dan right. Daly wants to re-record that whole album, so wow. that was like 94. And okay. yes, Autumn Hour. Autumn Hour, which I loved. And the Silent Assassins, Mike LaPone's Mike Silent LaPone. Assassins. We just heard Ragnarok. Awesome. I love that song. That song <laughs> is, so, is so catchy. And you just did a gig with, with, with Mike, right? We did. Our first and only gig so far, actually. Yeah, Dingbats in Clifton. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was great. It was now, totally awesome. Who was, tell me the lineup. So you, Dan what? pressed up as our drummer. Mike okay. put all these guys together. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, Dan's a young guy. He's like in his 20s. Lance Barnwald was our guitar player. He's also a young guy in his 20s. Right. And then we had Tony on keyboards. Um, I'm blanking on Tony's last name right now. But Tony was on keyboards right. okay. and me and Mike, obviously. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Very yeah, cool. Yeah. And then you hit me up today with this brand new record uh, that just came out, Level Fields. 1104 is the name of the album. Yep. It sounds fantastic. We were just listening to it at home on the Sonos and then in the car on the way here. Thanks. It is great stuff. And in a way, I mean, you, you've covered so much ground musically between everything we just mentioned, but this kind of, I feel like, is somewhere a little different than where you've gone with any of your other projects. Do you agree with that? I do, because there's yeah. a lot of keyboard in it, which yeah. I've never really, besides Mike LaPont's Silent Assassins, I really haven't worked with a keyboard player. Right. And that's our guitar player doing all the keyboards. That's Marco Ahrens. Wow. And the interesting thing, I think, is two guys are from Germany, our guitar player and drummer. Right. And my bass player is the bass player from Automower, Clint Arendt, okay. and myself. So we're like a transatlantic band that's never really jammed in a room together, you know? Wow. wow. But we started with one song probably like four years ago, and yeah. we ended up getting a deal and I'm actually kind of surprised but I love the record and it's getting killer reviews so it's awesome and you actually last time we hung out was I think right before this second Mike LaPone Silent I think that's Assassin's right. yep. record yep. came out and you played me, I think, some of these tracks, one, one or two of these tracks in, in your yeah. car, yep. and it was freezing. I remember we That's were right. in your car. That's it right. Like, That's it right. It was like zero degrees <laughs> that night. Yeah. And, yeah but I know. The, the stuff has finally come out. It sounds fantastic. And what label did you guys uh, ink a deal with? We're on a small German label called Pure Steel. Yeah. And they've been phenomenal. Right. You know, they got us out there through all the, you know, like you said, Sonos and Spotify and Pandora. And they I got us on, on Amazon iTunes. Music. It's on Amazon. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can find it, like, very easily. Yeah. And it's huge, you know. Yeah. I think mostly in Europe, people are buying physical product more so than here. Okay. But it's all good, man. You yeah. Know? Yeah, cool. And why don't we right now check out a tune off of the Level Fields album again it's 1104 and we'll come back and talk some more with vocalist alan tecchio what do you want to play for the uh the listeners? why don't we play the opening track disowned i really dig that yes, track absolutely great stuff here we go disowned by level fields
A little level fields here on Talking Metal. Guys, definitely pick this up. That was Disowned, and that's the opening track off the record. How did you originally hook up with these guys? So initially, the guitar player, Marco, reached out to me because he was a big nonfiction fan. Oh, wow, you, okay. You will definitely hear some right. nonfiction yeah, elements. Yeah. The song Womb to Tomb, I think, especially, is like very nonfiction. Um, but he just had a song. Actually, he's not the one who reached out to me. His brother, Udo, was a Facebook friend of mine. Most of my Facebook friends are like fans of the music stuff. Right. You know Udo. what I mean? And Udo reached out and he goes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Udo Ahrens. And he's like, I don't know if you'd want to do this, but my brother wrote this song and he says he only can hear you singing it. Would you want to sing it? And I'm like, well, he's paying me. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Being honest. And if I like it. Because yeah. I'm not going to just take money to sing a song that's horrible. So right. send me the song. So yeah. he sent me the song. It was the song Enough, which I think okay. is like the third song on the album. Right. And that's where it all started. So he paid me to do that song. We finished it. I was like, okay, great. And I really thought that would be all. Because he's in a band called Poverty's No Crime. He's a music teacher full-time in high school in Germany. But he has a real band that has a deal and tours and stuff. So I, I figured that would be it. And then he sent me Disowned. And he's like, what do you think of this song? And right. to me, it was elevated way beyond enough, and yeah. I was immediately inspired. And that's what I need. Like, I need a muse yeah. to get me excited about something, to create with them and collaborate. And he has been phenomenal. Wow, cool. And where do you guys go from here? I mean, it is like you, you mentioned, you guys are in different parts of the world. Is there, you're obviously doing some promotion for it. I'm sure they are. But do you plan on doing a music video? Do you plan on doing gigs uh, what I would what love to do all of that point. but I really don't know yeah how feasible that is you know yeah. it only costs the label two people to come overseas instead of four yeah. so that and either way so that yeah. may happen one day right. but I don't know that there's this huge demand to see us live just yet and have you ever met these guys in person yeah I met Marco and his brother Udo at uh, keep it true when I sang with heathens rage oh okay went over okay. there and did that show with those guys right. that's like two three years ago right 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 Let's talk a little bit about your history. I always wanted to ask you about nonfiction, which you mentioned, which was kind of a a weird time for metal. You know, things you had Hades going on, yeah, and that I guess deteriorated. And nonfiction, you guys inked a major label deal with that. Well, right? we signed with Grand Slam through IRS. Okay, so it was fairly major, but and it was on MTV. Like, yeah, the, we got the on video, MTV. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. It was cool. I mean, it was, like you said, it was a sort of a tumultuous time for metal. And then did you consciously say, hey, we're going to do, because we're going to do something a little more alternative, a little, you know, because it, it still had a metal overtones, but it was definitely something different that in a way really fit in with what was going on at the times. I, I totally agree with that. But right. I will tell you, it wasn't like a, an immediate shift. Like if you listen to the last Hades stuff that we did, right. there's a lot of detuned stuff and right. some okay. really slower, heavy stuff. And I know that that was not really what some of the guys in Hades, like Ed Furman specifically, the lead guitar player, he didn't want to detune his guitars. And Dan was hell bent on kind of slowing us down right. and writing just big monster Sabbathy kind of riffs, which I right. love. Right. And at that time, Dan and I were doing all the writing pretty much. Kevin yeah. did some writing as well. Kevin, what was Kevin Bolenbach. Bolenbach, the bassist. Who right? he yeah. and I are still super tight to this day. Yeah, that I'll guy tell is, him I said hello. I will, yeah, I will. Yeah. He's I love been on the show. It's been probably 10 years or so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it goes fast, yeah. man, life. It's crazy. Yeah. But we had that band come out, and I know our manager was trying to position us as like an East Coast Soundgarden. Because right. yes, grunge was coming, and it was strong 
strong and it was fast right. in terms of how fast it took over, like right. all the glam bands and all that stuff, which just blew up and went away. And so I don't think we ever really sounded completely like Soundgarden. They were a little bit more artsy, I think, and a little more roots rock with right. the heavy stuff. Yeah. And we were definitely a metal band who kind right. of, to me, we sounded like Hades kind of slowed down and yeah. detuned. Yeah. And what year was nonfiction again? It's early mind. 90s. So okay, I did the Watchtower stuff, I think, in like 89, 90. So it had to be like 91, 92, I think. We started coming out with stuff. And how long did nonfiction go on for? Well, we did two, two albums, albums, right? Yeah, two okay. albums, and then we did a third album, kind of posthumously. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we weren't really a band at that point, but we had written this record, which I thought was great. It's a wonderful lie, right? And that came out, you know, as our third album. And you guys toured with Caius at some point? We didn't tour with Caius. No, you did not. I think tour. we played Foundations. They might have played okay. that year. Oh. We toured I with thought, uh, we toured with Overkill and Overkill. Sabotage. Okay. And we did a lot of shows just on our own and right. and whatnot. Right. WSOU is playing us a lot, right and on. they absolutely helped put us on the map in terms of local draw. Right. You know, we were suddenly playing in front of a couple thousand people instead of a couple hundred, and that was largely due to SOU. Wow, really? Okay. And Level Fields is out. Obviously, this is a, a band that, uh, as we've said numerous times at this point, the members are in different parts of the world. Are you doing any other bands right now? Because I know you always have so much stuff going on besides Mike Lapon Silent, Listen so to I, Assassins, um, that are more local-based. You will not believe the irony of this, but I just talked to Ron Jorzombek. And we are going to try to finish the rest of those Watchtower songs. Wow. Okay, because that was another question I had. So for there's you. that. I've got about seven or eight ideas for songs with level right. fields that I'm also working on. And Dan Daly wants to redo the whole Power album. So I got to re-sing all those songs. I think it's only six songs, and there's not a ton of singing. Right. It's a lot of instrumental, which is great because I can fit that into my schedule yeah. better than a full-blown thing. And I've already sung the whole record. So for some reason, we can't, you can't get that anymore, that album. Right. So he wants to just make it available and make it heavier and redo it. So I told him I would do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I got to track that. I'm going to track a cover of a Cure song, if you know The Cure. Oh, yeah. The song, The Same Deep Water As You, yeah. Level Fields is covering. And I just oh, wow. did all my demo tracks at home for that the other day. And it sounds really cool, man. So I want to track that for real soon and then mix it. And, and I don't know what we'll do with that. We might just release it digitally, you know? Awesome. And kind of just backtrack, because I, I feel like you said some major news in there, and it kind of just, <laughs> just went right over it. Watchtower. So you guys, you guys, refresh my memory, there was four, was it four or five songs that was that from a few years back? So, yeah, that's like four or five years ago, I think. Right. And uh, we have another, I think, five or six songs that would complete the album Mathematics. Right. So we only released the first thing as an EP. Right. And now the second EP would complete it and make it a full album. Wow. So okay. I just started talking to Ron about it, and he seems up for it, which he didn't up until right now. Yeah. What has changed? Why is he up for it now? I not... Well, he had a baby. Okay. All he right. and his wife had a baby, Fair and enough. I think he's been Mr. Mom for a while, in yeah. addition to doing all of his lessons and stuff. And it was just, you know how a baby is, man. It's yeah. overwhelming. Right. And he's having his first kid at, like, he's got to be, like, 54, you know? Wow. So, yeah, it's even more arduous, I think. Yeah. And so initially he was like, I can't do anything. You know, don't even talk to me about this. And I'm yeah. like, that's fine, dude. I said, but one day I want to complete it. It comes up in almost every single interview I do. Yeah. So let's try to finish it. And now he seems open to it. And he just talked to Doug and Doug is open to it. I call Rick. Rick is open to it. So we're going to start on a song that was 
tentatively titled Eloquent Soliloquy. And I'm going to start working on that probably this coming week and see if I can get it done. And when you say working on it, you mean writing or going in? I don't in know if I have to write the lyrics right. to it. We have a set of lyrics, right. but I didn't write them. And I'm happy to sing those lyrics, but it's when I say working on it, fitting it into the time frame of the song. Right, Because okay. one of the hardest things with that band is just making it kind of come together and, right. and sound good, you know? Right, wow. And they're super particular, and <laughs> I don't think like they do. I don't have the math skills that they do. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's big news, and we hope that that, that happens and uh, keep us posted, definitely, on we'll any do. Watchtower news. I guess it would be too early to know when that might actually be completed. It'll so, be a while. Yeah. It'll it definitely be a while, a while with, for with sure. Watchtower, yeah. But at least we're starting to work on it, which I think is great. If we just chip away at it a little bit at a time, I think we'll get it done. It's not going to be a rush job because you can't rush that kind of stuff. Right. Cool. And the Mike LePons Silent Assassins. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that a three-album thing? He, I believe he lost his deal now. Oh, okay. So that was with Frontier. Yeah. And uh, so he's looking for a label right now. So right. if anybody wants to sign Mike LePons, right. you know, <laughs> okay. he's available. All right. And, uh, and he actually has the next record written. And he's already tracking drums with, you know, uh, the computer with uh, oh, cool. Michael Romeo. Oh, right. From Symphony So soon... Soon I'm going to have stuff to track vocals to with that. Oh, okay, good. Cool. Well, Alan, it's always great hanging out with you, and it's always great to hear new music from you, which happens frequently, fortunately for us. Let's uh, let's hit another level field song to take us out, if you don't okay. mind. And, uh, yeah, what, what do we got here? I would say let's hear Growing Old, because that's almost like a Pink Floyd kind of vibe, and nice. it's got one of the seriously most heavy riffs I've ever heard, and probably it's one of my favorite songs on this album. So Growing Old. Growing Old by Level Fields. Definitely check these guys out. 1104 is the name of the album. Real quick, you were telling me the story, 1104, the condensed version of what that actually means. There was a huge train crash in 1925 in New Jersey, right. which ironically had German-Americans that were going back to Germany to visit their country, their homeland for the first time. Right. So it's funny, the two guys from Germany in the band, two Americans right, in the band. Right, right. There's a tie-in there, which I didn't even expect. But I read about this story in Backroads Magazine. It's a motorcycle magazine. And I actually took my son on my motorcycle out to the site of the crash because there's wow. a plaque there. It's really? in Washington, New Jersey, right. which at the time was called Rockport, New Jersey. And sadly, some people died very, very horrible deaths in this crash. Right. And we decided to write a song about it, and it became the title track. It wasn't really the intention, but it ended up being such a cool song that that's where we went with the title and the imagery on the cover and the artwork I thought really was, was cool. Yeah, it's great stuff. Level Fields here on Talking Metal. Alan, thank you. Thank you, Mark.
that's going to do it for today's show. Oh, oh, I want to um, thank Joe for joining us on oh, yeah, Patreon. Definitely a new person on Patreon, Joe. So great to have you as a patron of this show. We encourage all the Talking Metal listeners out there to join us on Patreon. You get exclusive content. You get the Mark Striegel podcast, which you get in, can't get it on iTunes. Well, I guess you can get it on iTunes if you're a Patreon um patron with us but otherwise it's it's not available and you can get that bonus podcast every week for just two dollars two dollars so two dollars a month that is and there's different tiers you can get different rewards depending on what tier you sign up for check out patreon and uh we're gonna have talking metal hoodies available for some of the people on Patreon, and we may actually make them available to non-Patreon people too. So stay tuned you know for what that. What I want to do? What's that? I want to do like a live roundtable yeah. discussion. Like we need to figure out the technology to get that going with our Patreon supporters. Yep, we're gonna do all that. We're gonna do live chats, live video streams, yeah. all sorts of great stuff. So definitely check out Patreon. There's already a lot of cool content up there. And there will be more coming. So thank you for joining us, guys. It's going to do it for the episode today. Emily, I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there something we could uh, play to, to take us out? Oh, I know. How about Murders in the Room Org by Iron Maiden? This was part of the Patreon poll that we had up on Patreon as far as what songs we want to see Maiden bring back into the set list for this, this tour that's coming wow, up. Wow, I cannot wait for that show. And according to our patrons, they want to hear Murders in the Rue Morgue. So what a great song to take us out. Also, another poll on Patreon. The most influential metal band after Sabbath would be what? What do you think? Priest, Maiden, Influ Metallica. The most influential? Yeah, after Sabbath. That's tough. Influential. Think modern. Don't just think classic 70s and 80s. Think of where we are now in metal. Because I think our Patreon people got it right with the band that won the poll. Well, you're wearing the T-shirt of the band that I think it would be. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Metallica. And that's what <laughs> the patrons, the Patreon people thought too. And I, I agree with that. I mean- People were like, well, Priest, I know Ron Keel said Priest, but Priest, definitely influential for sure. But when you look at where metal is today and yes. rock is today. And the influence I, on a lot of different yeah. genres of, because thrash, I mean, yeah. highly, you know. Thrash, death metal, you know, um, commercial radio rock even, like yes. with, with Enter Sandman and stuff. I really, that sonic sound they got on the Black Album, I really feel like there is no one that comes close uh, to Sabbath and Metallica as far as their influence go. And listen, I, I like I like Kiss and Maiden. Those are my two favorite bands. But when it comes to influence, and I love Sabbath and Metallica too, but when it comes to influence, I definitely have to say it's, it's Black Sabbath and Metallica as far as influential metal bands that really, really shaped the history of of heavy metal. I feel we, we got a lot of background noise. I don't know if any that's coming through. The dog's walking around all confused. And, <laughs> Poor Ozzy. And uh, he's 11 years old. He's out of his mind. And he's a retriever. <laughs> and the kids are yelling. So I don't know if any of that's coming through. But if That's it is, life. Yeah, that is that's life. That's life at the Striegel house. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Murders in the Rue Morgue by Iron Maiden, little Paul Diano era. Iron Maiden to take us out on Talking Metal. <laughs> 